0: Thanks for listening to Lost and Rewound. Don't forget you can check us out on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and at lostandrewound.com. These are the B-sides.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome again to Lost and Rewound. This is our B-sides third installment. My name is Alan. I'm Melissa. And I'm Doug. And this is where we talk about mixtapes. Your mixtapes. Feel free to email us if you have a playlist that you would like to share with one of your mixtapes of the past, lostandrewound at gmail.com.
0: Or CDs. Or CDs,
1: exactly. Whichever's relevant, I guess, to your age. Our uh, contributor for this go-around is actually joining us via Gchat. Introduce yourself, my friend. Hi, I'm Aaron Stock.
2: I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, that's where I grew up for the most part, uh, just outside of Philadelphia, uh, in uh, Lansdale, Pennsylvania, and Haddonfield, New Jersey. And that's where this tape was made. Yeah, I think it was made in Haddonfield. It, it might have started in Lansdale. I was uh, I moved in '86. So the tape may have traveled from one to the other.
3: Yes. Do you feel in some way it documents that transition, or is that totally
1: left out of it?
2: Uh, It's totally left out. Uh, I don't, okay, I don't well really then I'll just ignore it. that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Your history with the tape, uh, when you were recording stuff on tape, was it always off the radio, or um, whatever the case may be, other music, not yourself?
2: Uh, I hadn't recorded anything up until... I think either this mixtape, I think I remember one other tape that I recorded onto. Uh, I didn't really have uh, the ability to do that until I got a GE uh, AM-FM cassette recorder that allowed me to record uh, off of the radio onto cassette. uh, That uh, model came out in around 85, and that's about when I got it, either 85 or 86 as a birthday present, I think.
1: How old were you in 1986? I was 13. Go through uh, with us, 13-year-old Aaron Stock. What 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 was he all about back then? <laughs> what was his hair like? <laughs>
0: what kind exactly. of feelings did you have? What kind of music were you listening to?
1: <laughs>
2: How did he dance?
0: Uh, I
2: was, I was, uh, I guess I was experiencing a pop awakening. In Lansdale, uh, I remember uh, one time in elementary school, sort of talking with a, a friend of mine in music class and sort of acting all twenty twenty I guess, we, we said we were listening to something, I guess some popular music piece in class. And I said, oh, I much prefer classical. And he said, yes, so do I. And we kind of dumbed our noses. But even then, uh, you know, in like 1982, I guess, that's when Thriller came out. I, I got that on vinyl, I think. I don't know if I got it right then or if I got it a little bit later. But, uh, and then, uh, Weird Al Yankovic came out with Eat It. And I think that really got me interested in pop music. I think Weird Al is a, was a gateway. Weird
1: he Al was at, your gateway drug? No, he is to a lot of generations. I feel like he was to, to some, in some respects to me as well, even when he was coming out with Bad Hair Day in 96. So I totally am on board with that mentality.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, Eat It was, was I liked funny songs, I liked being goofy
1: and ridiculous, and uh, when he came out with Eat It, it was really great to hear. What kind of songs do you have on this? I mean, obviously we, we see the playlist, but for those who um, might not be familiar necessarily with a lot of the groups that are featured in this mixtape, what kind of, is it kind of like an 80s feel it seems, yeah? Oh yeah, it was uh, the '80s. It was the '80s, but very, I, I, okay. Let me start over with that. Very much like of the, the new wave synth pop kind of culture. Yes. Yeah. Oh
2: yeah. Totally synth pop. Uh, apparently, I love that stuff. Uh,
1: apparently, you love that. Stuff. Don't, don't, you don't you? Don't still love it? Clearly,
2: I I, oh, I love it still. Definitely. I was just thinking about how you know this this era of pop music is is great and it's very varied and. I mean, even, up, up in, even beyond, before that, back in the 70s, I know that the music, the pop was very varied, but uh, this era I really liked. I, I kind of noticed that there were two types of music on here that I really loved. Uh, sort of a major key, upbeat, real happy kind of sound, kind of like, um, let's see, what's on here that's like that? Oh, Everybody Wang Chung Tonight, yeah. <laughs> which comes up twice. <laughs> Uh Sue Studio, Hit to Be Square by Huey Lewis and the News. Sure. Who I who I liked before then. I liked the sports. That came out and I think my parents had that cassette. And then I think the other part was sort of a jazzy minor key kind of sound, kinda of like Freedom Overspill, uh Word Up by Cameo, Notorious by Duran Duran.
1: What were where were all these songs coming from? Are they all from the same radio station or multiple radio stations?
2: Uh, they're all from the same radio station. I think 98.1, and I guess it still is, it's one of the strongest signals out there, and so I was able to pick it up quite easily. Great for recording
1: purposes as well. It was like a, a pop radio back then, but uh, it's not the same radio station now, right? No. Uh,
2: it's a oldies station called WOGL. <laughs> uh, back then it was, like I said, 98.1 WCAU, and... Uh, I was just thinking about how, ironically, it's probably playing the same songs right now because they're just about 30 years old or more.
1: Yeah, they never had to buy any new music. They just (laughs) kept the same old carts. I always wonder about that, like when you take over a radio station. And Doug and I both were in radio in college, so... Uh, I can only imagine what would happen if... So you... we know what it's like to take yeah. over a radio, radio station. all about radio. I've been around the block, <laughs> let me tell you. Well, you know, you can only imagine what would happen if a radio station uh, was taken over by another one, and what would happen if you just had this enormous library.
0: In the current climate of media conglomerates and Clear Channel and all of that, you don't ha- really have that many, like, mom-and-pop... Mom-and-pop
3: mom pop radio stations? Or, like,
0: you know what I mean, like a local station that it's just the local station, or maybe a regional...
3: Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, they're very few and far between. And so, any, I, any station that's going to be powerful enough or to take one of them over or anybody that's starting a new radio station is all going to be computer. So that library is yeah, that's sort of virtually a, meaningless.
0: Clear, like if Clear Channel buys up the local hip-hop station, they're still going to use, even if they flip the format to country, they still can use those tapes or CDs or whatever they stored music on before computers at radio stations.
1: I don't know who's going to use them. <laughs>
3: they'll, have to, they'll have to have a garage sale.
1: Aaron, were you listening to uh, a lot of radio even in like college as well?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, in college, I actually was a radio host for a classical show, though I didn't get to do pop.
3: So, was the classical show by choice? Is this because you preferred classical?
2: I guess it was what was available. I. I I wasn't really that tuned in with pop music even then, though. I was uh, kind of, I was specializing in sort of Peter Gabriel and Sting and Yes and Sarah McLaughlin a little bit. And I wasn't really, I think I was losing touch with the top 40 even then.
1: So you, you were listening to a lot of the top 40 in your teenage or tween, as I call it, right? Middle school, high school years. And then by the time you got to college, you sort of veered away from it? Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. When did you, if at all, get back into? When did you have your renaissance?
2: Uh,
1: I guess I'm starting to now.
2: I really didn't like a lot of the stuff that was going on on the radio stations. I think like a lot of us, uh, I was listening to public radio station the WXPN for a good while in the in the mid '90s, but they weren't doing. That. I you know, I would kind of consider them. Pop music, but I have a pretty wide definition of pop music.
1: All this talk about the music is making me want to hear some songs. So let's hear our first clip. <laughs> They're a group that I never really got into too much, but uh, as Melissa and I were recounting while we were listening to this, that we both owned the same album, uh, which was called Galore, which was just like a greatest hits compilation that I got when I was in high school, and I mean, it just, I think it was just before my time, all their prime material.
0: When I got into The Cure in high school, is was definitely part of my like angry, sad, gothy theater kid...
3: You don't say. ...feeling.
0: Like, yeah, every kid in high school in the aughts that listened to The Cure, like... That was me.
3: Sure. I didn't listen to The Cure in high school. I was only listening to rap in high school. Yeah. So I started listening to them actually like after college when I had my job interview. So I dressed like a mod phase. What?
0: <laughs> you had a mod phase? <laughs> yeah.
3: Sorry. I was re- reading Blue Monday, listening to The Cure and the first Arctic Monkeys album. It was my Dude. mod phase.
1: I wore a lot of Argyle. I learned so much on this Things show. Things were awesome. Aaron, what w- did you ever have a goth phase? <laughs>
2: Oh, no. (laughs) No, I've I've had pleated pants uh, for a long part of my life, (laughs) and no chains, makeup. I'm not really about costumes.
0: I think for me, maybe the reason, too, that I never really got into The Cure deeper is my angsty high school goth phase was very much mall goth, and so I probably bought The Cure Greatest Hits at Hot Topic or something like that
3: sure along with your papa roach and whatnot
0: oh yes
1: let's not go there
0: i actually have a picture in a box in the, the one box from my childhood that i can't find in my parents attic there's a picture of me with the lead singer of papa roach because i waited after the concert
1: we're oh, learning yeah. a new papa roach fact about you every time we have this <laughs> session this our new segment papa roach facts
0: <laughs> melissa had a lot of feelings in middle school and listened to papa roach i even bought the second album
1: that's a fact uh let's listen to the next song Keep going. Good idea. W-O-R-D, Up, Cameo, who were yeah. not, were not always like that. They started off kind of like more like a funk band, and then they... Oh, I know about Cameo. That's just what
3: funk was in the 80s. But all, in...
0: S- all synthesizer-y, like everything in the 80s. Yeah. Do you have a like, bone to pick with synthesizers?
3: No, it's just that they're in everything in this era of music, and I didn't grow up listening to it, so in retrospect, it all sounds really hammy.
0: The analogy I sort of feel like that's applicable is the way synth- synthesizers were the cool new fun toy in the 80s the same way that auto-tune was for a couple years. Like, everybody was auto-tuning shit just because they could.
3: Yeah, just because that's what was popular or expected and it didn't hold up over time. Not that Cameo... I mean, Cameo has some great music, but that just that sound in particular, I feel like that it all kind of sounds the same. It all kind of sounds like more stay in the time and only more yeah. stay in the time can be more stay in the time.
2: That's interesting because now that reminds me, that puts the uh, perspective in a liner note on the album that another song is from on this mixtape, uh, Manda by Boston. In third stage, uh, I had the cassette, and the liner note said that they didn't use any synthesizers at all on third stage, that any kind of synth sound that you hear is because... They ran, uh, they ran the guitar sound through the right. Rockwell synthesizer. So
1: that that's is, why they were so
2: proud of that. I that,
1: guess. that is an interesting uh, argument to make for a lot of 80s bands who did not want to settle for the trends of the time and they just figured they'd be more creative. I never really thought of that. That's interesting. That's it. That's all I got for that. <laughs> it, yeah, I don't, <laughs> well, using a synthesizer
3: doesn't mean you're not playing the music live. It's just a different sound you know you could still be playing synth drums live on stage lots of drummers do that now they have full live drum kit and then a few synth sounds and sometimes they join them together but it's just that like heavily reverbed everything run through some kind of synth sound kind of pop funk that uh i can't always get behind
0: hence my auto-tune analogy because it's a very specific sound and you know instantly that it's
1: Mm-hmm. vocoder is like the venn diagram between synthesizer and autotune it's the middle yeah it really is like zap and roger kind of style richard frampton what Wait, oh yeah peter frampton my goodness you're right except
3: peter frampton. i actually had to find a live clip of do you feel to, in order to explain autotune to my wife <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: available on youtube let's uh let's go to the next your clip.
0: wife the singer doesn't know Auto-Tune.
1: Nope, indeed. Continue. Who knows? You
0: can win. It's another Take Your
1: Radio to Work Day. Make sure you do it to it. Write yourself a note so you don't forget it and get set to
2: win. Who knows? Here's Stevie Winwood Keep on playing. T-
3: So we were just listening to Steve Winwood, and Aaron, you were saying that the introduction from the radio DJ was frustrating to you because you didn't like when uh, they talked over the beginning or the end of the song. What is it that bugged you about that?
2: I guess it means I must have recorded a tape before this or something. That's lost to the ages, but uh, I think it was partly because I wanted to tape the song, and I wanted to tape the whole song, and I didn't want to hear any voice coming out before – uh, no, I know. After the song, sure, yeah, but it makes, about. makes
3: it such so much more of a time capsule to hear it now to hear the radio DJ on the beginning or the end of the song. I'm
1: with Aaron on this though, because I, I
0: it used to drive me insane too, and I would make yeah. tapes.
1: Oh, I always liked it. In the now, I would say it probably would make for a cooler tape. But I think what I was trying to go for then was as seamless without any talking as possible. There was one tape I made where I managed to get this last snippet of a back so a song had just like ended abruptly and the dj was like that was pretty rocking and i kept that part that sounded okay but i think i was just trying to not have so much talking but a little i guess was okay for me
3: Aaron, how did you handle your desire to have no speaking over the music when you were doing your classical college radio djing
1: oh
2: that was pretty easy because classical music you you're supposed to even leave a few seconds of silence at the end Oh, to let it like have its effect. Yeah, that's the sort of the protocol for that. I remember you were supposed to have sort of a quiet, very you know, hello. You're listening to WECI Radio, and I decided I would just have a normal voice. Uh, you didn't for do a the. Show.
0: You didn't do the NPR voice, Fresh Air with Terry Gross.
1: Yeah, I didn't feel like doing
2: it. I I just thought that was played out <laughs> in the classical world.
1: My not own noggin is coming up with some ideas of like how to completely put like a classical DJ on like a hip hop station and put like some like heavy metal or like hard rock DJ onto a classic uh, onto a classical and like completely like mix it up a little bit and it'll make for just like hilarious results where like you'll have the classical and it's like yeah yeah we just had some Mozart right there <laughs> I'm sorry I'm I'm no
3: ending you right now. the The job of the rock DJ front cell is to talk until the lyrics start, and it would be really funny to have set someone up for that process. And just it's a classical piece, so there's never going to be any lyrics. So they wind up just having <laughs> to come up with shit to front cell or exactly. like promotions to do for you know for hours.
0: Forty-five on end. minutes, <laughs> exactly. Forty-five minutes of front cell. It's about to come out at the end of the song.
2: That was the second movement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but... We still have about 30 seconds
2: left. Uh, we're going <laughs> to cut to a commercial about a car wash. I don't
1: know. Steve Winwood, though, for the win. Um, I'm, I'm, I am a big fan of that talking there beforehand. Can't go wrong with a little Steve Winwood, in my
0: opinion. Alon love Steve Winwood.
2: I've loved him ever since uh, the song If You See a Chance, Take It. He's kind of has a Peter Gabriel sound to him there, and I think that's partly why I liked putting that song on there. He has kind of a reedy voice that Peter Gabriel used in Sledgehammer.
1: But not nearly with the crazy enough I, videos. I'm a huge Peter Gabriel fan.
2: I'm not exactly sure why he wasn't on this tape, except that maybe that's he was just slightly outside of the top 40 hits at the time, or that I already had the vinyl of this, show. so so I didn't need to record it.
1: Let's keep going on with more clips here. <laughs>
3: Micah G. His rap is stronger than the soccer MC. Well, let me show you what my man can do. Rapping, rocking, popping, and the boogaloo, too.
0: But anyway, no more delay. Just listen to the beatbox, he will play. My name is MC Swett, and I also DJ, and then I like the schools. I so took another way. I like the Micah G, so I use my voice. As soon as the body the in the big Rolls Royce. That's right. My name is Micah G. I use the
1: honey day with the F.I.C. On the sweet was a party bigger than Hollywood. I grew up in this world, started in the neighborhood We're gonna ring, ring a dong for a holiday Put your arms in the air, let me hear you say We're gonna ring, ring a dong for a holiday I Put your arms in the air, let me hear you say We're gonna ring, ring a dong for a holiday Micah and D.S. West, we're here to stay We're gonna ring, ring a dong for a holiday Hey, check out the new style we just played We are going on a summer holiday, if you want to go, you're swim we go into London and New York City, and we take a little piece of Amsterdam, right? We are going on a summer holiday. If you want to go, you'll swim. We go into London
0: and New York City, and we dig
3: a little piece of Amsterdam. Um, that was totally amazing, <laughs> Aaron, uh, I don't know what that. Aaron, tell me what the fuck that was. Hey, take, can we
0: can we re, can we revisit title and artist on that?
3: Yeah, I I don't know what it is, it's, Aaron. Uh, what was that?
0: Uh
2: It was Holiday Rap. And it was MC, Micro G, and DJ Sven.
3: DJ Sven. <laughs> okay, so where are they from? Do we know
2: this?
0: <laughs> they're, they're Is DJ Sven they're actually Dutch. from Sweden?
2: They're Dutch, you said? No, that's what it says here. They're Dutch. I I, heard, I recorded this. It was one of those kind of like folklore things where I said, has anybody heard of this song? Some guys rap over uh, Holiday Madonna, and nobody remembered it. They were like, what are you talking about? And thanks to YouTube, and thanks to the internet, I was yes, I found it. I didn't know who they were when played it because I think I heard the introduction
1: when I recorded it. It's amazing. Oh man,
2: I'm just—it's blowing my
3: mind. That's some of the worst rapping I've ever heard. <laughs>
0: they so Dutch. good. What do you expect? Well,
3: I mean, there's some good. <laughs> was it worse than Dutch mine? MCs? Was it worse than my rapping? There's a—it's a different kind of thing. Producer. Ryan has just handed me a, a Wikipedia entry that says holiday rap is uh, from 1986, mm. which fits perfect. They are, in fact, Dutch. And I couldn't understand what he was saying in the song or what you were saying, Aaron, in terms of their names. MC Miker G, which is M-I-K-E-R, and DJ Sven makes perfect sense.
0: <laughs> I only understood about half the lyrics, too. What the hell was that song about?
3: just sounds, sounds like they are going on a holiday. <laughs> yeah. In New York City? Yes, in New York exactly. City! <laughs> Uh, one additional note, this song was number one in France in 1986. They would. Um, yes. It was the first number one rap hit in France.
0: Of course it was. Thankfully,
3: France, you're on notice Great now. job, France.
2: <laughs> Thankfully, ours was Blondie.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. But yes. even
3: Blondie's rapping was better than theirs. At least we don't have a <laughs> holiday
1: rap in a car commercials right now, I guess, is what we're having to discern from that. No? Maybe not. Because Blondie's in car commercials? Yeah. I I think that's that lady rapping along with it. I thought that was cute and fun. I'll drive
3: that car, whatever.
1: If it helps sell a car, maybe people will be like – Wrapping it in their car. We are going to New York City, <laughs> driving a yeah. Honda or a Hyundai. Going to, I think it's like that hat in the like skyline. A, it's like a
3: Fit or a, a Fiat, maybe. That yeah, would it's work. A f- it's a Fiat. That's a Fiat commercial, and it would. Well,
1: you know, hey, if France ever actually makes cars in America, like I know that the dude who runs Ren- Renault actually owns Nissan. If we ever get Renault's, hey, you know we sell Renault's and like we'll have uh, some, you know, holiday rap. We'll use their favorite rap song.
3: We'll use their favorite rap. there? Before that was uh, was Notorious. Before
1: that, mm.
0: yes, Notorious. We we okay. were chatting
1: about how Simon Le got the funk, and how Duran Duran actually does have quite a selection of good songs.
0: And that song also reminded each of us of a very specific thing. Mm. I, I always think of the dance scene in Donnie Darko. Doug, you had, you had one.
3: Yeah, well, it just from, from Donnie Darko led me to thinking about Tears for Fears, and we talked a bit about Sparkle Motion. Sparkle
0: and, Magic. <laughs> sparkle Magic. Didn't you question my dedication to Sparkle Magic?
3: I, I swore it was Sparkle Motion.
0: <laughs> Do we need to Google we,
3: this? We need to look up on Sparkle Motion v. Sparkle Magic.
1: That song always reminded me just uh, really of Biggie in in theory, just because of yeah, the sure. interpolated in... in what was the song? Wow. It was just called
3: Notorious. It was just called Notorious, yeah. right? Love that song.
1: Duran Duran had a lot of good songs, but it always made me think of... Every time I think about Duran Duran, I can't help but think about Tears for Fears, which incidentally ties into Donnie Darko almost super because Donnie Darko features a lot of Tears for Fears. Yeah, there's so many good
3: songs. The That whole montage scene where they jump off the bus and uh, head over heels starts is just the shit. It's we a had, well-filmed
1: movie. Yeah. We had Wang Chung in there, too, which sort of is in that same ethos of two different guys who head the
0: band right yeah that the 80s Maybe. were really big you're right now that you bring that up the 80s had a lot of pop acts that were two dudes like one of them played a guitar one of them sang wham, wham and they did like and they, and, they, and they did like their own little version of the 60s pop group dance like where they all kind of we'd shuffle to the left and then we shuffle to the right and we, we all kind
3: of jitterbug yeah, yeah definitely uh was that a remix of wang chung
2: yes glorious yeah.
3: Uh, it was also a
2: remix, uh, and I love that kind of style back in the 80s and maybe even early 90s where they didn't really change the song too much. They maybe add a little bit extra beat to it, but they broke it down in certain places so they brought out certain elements of the the you know, guitars or the synths and, and highlighted them a little differently. Background singers in the case of Wenge.
0: They added another breakdown and extended the outro, and suddenly it's a remix. It counts
3: they mixed it again what was, what was Nowadays the, sometimes you don't even get the thing
2: what
3: was the background point uh, that you were pointing out in Wang Chung Aaron
2: oh uh, one of the background singers famously says will you tell what a Wang Chung is
1: well if you have to ask then we'll never know why you're the band that's named? well Wang this is Chung. a backup singer I don't know if they're technically in
3: Wang Chung. But we looked right. it up. We we, we did Google it because we a, also apparently
0: Wang all... Chung
3: is Chinese for perfect pitch. Chinese for perfect pitch, which I makes, believe so.
0: Which makes the song make does well, which does not make the song make any more sense.
3: Yeah, it doesn't really. It, if you Google translate yeah. it, it won't make any sense.
0: I mean, everybody have fun tonight. Everybody have perfect pitch tonight. Like that doesn't sound.
2: Maybe that's an instruction to the press.
3: You're right.
0: Singers. Like that doesn't sound exciting. It's like hey, everybody <laughs> have fun. Everybody do this cool Wang Chung dance. Like, we're all going to do the Wang Chung now, guys. Well,
3: maybe
1: perfect pitch is
3: like a metaphor. Or like, maybe if you could just have perfect pitch for one night, what would you do? What if you could just do everything <laughs> perfect for one night?
1: Or do we maybe think that it could also be flipped around? It could be pitch perfect? Or pitch, being well, the same of, thing? Well,
0: speaking of college radio, That'd pitch perfect. She...
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: In the pitch perfect <laughs> movie, she works lyrics. in a radio station. Ho! College radio. And they're still stacking records, which I, drove me insane. She's the intern in the college radio station, and her job for the first like semester is to just organize CDs and vinyl. Like, they
3: what don't... year was that?
0: The movie came out like two years ago.
1: Okay, yeah. I mean... Anna
0: Kendrick's in it. It's like that's a lie. They just push a button on a computer.
1: There are so many songs that are on the even the next side. I wish we can get to. Well, them. just
0: run through the, run through real quick. What are the yeah? Sp- well, we, on we, it? She, uh,
1: Aaron had mentioned Amanda by Boston, a Hip to Be Square by yeah, H- you have Huey We Hear That One? Well, I guess we could.
0: What else is on there? Let's just...
1: Forever Live and Die by OMD. Invisible Touch by Genesis. Yeah, yeah. A reprise of Everybody Weng <laughs> <laughs> tonight. When, when Chung appears <laughs> twice. But the, but the original version this time. And then uh, Sue Studio, the extended remix version. I just have to say that... To tack on to what you were saying before, Aaron, just about the whole taking like 30 seconds or however long just to add that little bit of oomph and repeating maybe one like bass line and just like building off of it to create some kind of extended dance mix when it's really just repeating the same chords and building it up with more bass line. That has happened so many times in the 80s that you would be hard Line to find any song. It didn't go through that. And looking through the list of all these songs from 1986, it seems like pretty much every song had it. Well, that was birthed out of when DJs were still using
3: records because you needed that extra time to mix into the next song. Yeah. So if you were playing something where you were trying to beat match or blend or something you know you you prayed for that extended dj club mix where it goes on for an extra minute and you can blend into whatever the next thing is you don't need that yeah. if you're doing it on mp3 cuz you can just loop it your damn self
1: that being said let's listen to what the bangles did with theirs
3: oh do we have a fact check on oh, sparkle I motion yeah sparkle. Uh, we have confirmation on oh. sparkle motion sparkle motion I am, I am the winner
0: i stand corrected
2: at night again. Pulsations nightclub. We're live on CAUFM. It's not a bird.
1: It's not a
3: so that was the walk like an egyptian remix and especially we wanted to highlight the middle portion where the radio dj went into a talk break and then a commercial and then it came back in at the same point in the song and it seemed like aaron you edited around that which is quite a feat with a stop pause tape player
2: well thank you that now listening to it sounds great i mean i love the fact that the dj did that And it just kind of makes me wonder. Here he is saying that he's live at the pulsations nightclub, uh, which no longer exists, by the way. He's saying he's live and wondering, okay, what's everyone doing at the nightclub while he's paused? Has he paused the music? Is he really live? Is he lying to us?
3: They're probably getting a drink. It's a
1: nightclub.
0: Going to the bathroom. (laughs) Yep. Taking a little smoke break. It was the 80s. Although They're was...
1: probably doing cocaine. I was going to
0: say, it's the 80s. You could, you could still smoke indoors.
1: There's a, like a sort of uh, pulling a wool over one's eyes when it comes to doing a radio live broadcast from a club because chances are... Well, that's,
0: not... a, that's a thing they still do, though. The car I drove all through high school and college, it had a CD player and an AM, FM radio, but no tape deck. Like, middle of my junior year of high school, a CD got stuck in the CD player like it, it wouldn't play it wouldn't come out so for like three or four that years the
2: stuff, uh tv sitcom
0: right <laughs> so there, there's like a good three or four year chunk right there in like oh six to oh nine like maybe even to 2010 2011 where i could only listen to the radio in my car mm. um which occasionally... Wait to
3: to further clarify the sitcom premise. Uh, it didn't play the CD at all. No, it didn't play oh, the CD. Okay, at all. A... I was I was wondering if you were like making your friends listen Aww. to the same CD over and over again. No, and no, And it was like something crappy, or not not even crappy, but just something that would get really annoying after for a long time, like the first Presidents of the United States of America album or something.
0: Yeah, no, it, and I could The thing is, I couldn't even go back and listen to the CD because so I...
3: much bull. we high five, Ryan. <laughs> yeah.
0: Point of this being is, I had to listen to. I listened to a lot of radio. And occasionally surfing through different stations trying to find something on the weekends would get to whatever the local pop station was in Richmond at the time. And they would do like the live Friday night from Tiki Bob's, whatever the shitty 18 and Up Club was. Right. And it would be the dance music, like the dance remix, whatever the new hit song is. Justin, Not Justin Bieber. Then back then it was like Chris Brown or something like that. And you, the DJ would pause. And you could hear the crowd in the background and he'd be like, hey, coming at you live from...
3: <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that they weren't playing the same Smoke songs in the club in- as they were playing yeah. on the radio. Uh,
1: sorry, don't believe it. makes perfect sense. I don't believe it. Smoke and mirrors. You find find me a DJ who is recording a live t- broadcast from a club Especially, I mean, maybe... And, he, and we'll find you someone who's yelling a lot. Exactly.
3: <laughs> We're here! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's really fucking loud! <laughs> even
1: even K Slay and Funk Master Flex aren't even doing live shows. They're just doing it from, like, the like the actual all studio. I'm, all, I was trying, all, I'm saying,
0: no, all I'm saying is that it's still kind of like this weird thing they do on the radio. That's a, that's a radio DJ thing that has not changed in 30 years now?
3: Yeah, it's a promotions thing, I guess, just to get people involved either with the club or with the station and vice versa.
0: Most people probably aren't listening to pop radio at 10 30 on a saturday night mm, well unless
3: they're
1: on their way to a club yeah
3: and they want you to come to their
1: club speaking excited from, about it speaking exactly. of the new york city centric crowd i gotta say i am kind of confused as to who would be listening at 11 p.m to as my wife says like you know oh no that's been going on forever Alon, don't you know the 11 p.m on a friday night like house music all night long and i'm like you know but who's listening it's like someone in their car or their people their who room? are driving drunk along <laughs> exactly well, I have a better question for you, Eric. Great audience. What what was what was the name of that club that's not around anymore? Pulsations.
2: Pulsations. And it's that it was out it was out the suburbs and I think that's what at least in Philadelphia, that's one of the finding features of these, you know, come and see you live from a club. It's usually some club out in the suburbs, which there's there's no club anywhere near it. Right, <laughs> like, within like ten miles.
0: Nightclub in a strip mall? Yeah.
2: I don't know where this one was, but yeah, basically there was one that was nearby where I lived in in New Jersey, I don't even want to say the name. I was kicked out of that club for being gay, but that's another story. Excuse me. The, the gay people I was with were all dancing with the women, and none of the women were dancing with me. And I'm I'm not gay.
1: That's really so they weird. kicked
2: me out because I was dancing by myself.
1: It's like you, the only way you can stay in song. this club is if if you're actually dancing with somebody. That's Nightclubs are such a bizarre... That's what he said. So pathetic.
0: It's a whole other world. Do we have anything else we want to talk about from this tape? I
1: think that's an interesting note to leave on. (laughs) Nightclubs are weird. I'm satisfied with this (laughs) B-side.
0: That's the moral of the story.
1: Um, It's really awesome to actually have audio evidence of what a 1986 radio mixtape would sound like that's something that no, nobody in the room right now would have been able to provide so thank you for dropping some knowledge and bestowing your experience with us it was really awesome
0: yeah thanks thank for you. hanging out
1: uh, it was great to uh, go back to
2: 20 years ago and uh, still uh, i still danced to most all of these songs
3: <laughs> as you should Uh, Thank you, Aaron, again for joining us and for
1: sharing all of your audio with us. Thank you. We'll be back in a little bit. Lost
0: Lost and rewound. Jinx. Jinx? Jinx. the b-sides Indeed. wasn't
1: it great I highly enjoyed myself this time around I hope you all did
0: and uh, I think it might be fun to have Aaron back again to talk about the rest of that tape at some point sure because that's a, that was a fun one like that's a good sort of time capsule like it was the perfect at like 1986 pop radio packed full of things
3: to talk about.
1: You know, as opposed to our first two episodes, which were fine in so much as having enough to talk about, but whereas this one had a lot, much of a different dynamic because we actually had the person to talk to. Yeah, it was fun breaking down
3: the mixtape with the person who actually recorded it. And if you have a mixtape that you would like to discuss, please email us about it at lostandrewound at gmail.com and we'll get back in touch with you about it. And maybe, just maybe...
1: If you're as cool as Aaron, we can have you on the show to talk about it. We'll see you guys next time for more fun in the not-sun. It's too cold.
0: Lost and Rewound. Lost and Rewound is hosted by Ilan Danziger, Melissa Lloyd, and Doug Johnson. Engineered by Ryan Reich. We're available online at lostandrewound.com.
1: All this talking about music is just making me hungry for some music, Aaron. So let's... No, no, no. abort, abort, abort. I share your hunger.